You're listening to New Life Church in Richmond Hill, Georgia. This is our chance. Declare, Lord, that you are God over all things. You're God over every person in this building. Lord, we feel your presence right now. We feel your spirit, Lord, moving in this place. God, and we welcome you to do your work today. We welcome you to come speak to our heart today, speak to our mind today. All the broken pieces of our lives that you have picked up and you are putting together, you are ordering the steps of your people. Lord, it doesn't matter what we've been through. God, you've never left us. Lord, you've never you've never walked out on us and you never will. So we, we thank you today. We thank you this morning, God, that you are so faithful to us. Even in the midst of our unfaithfulness, God, you are faithful. And so, Lord, today we thank you, God, that you are here, that you're powerful, that you care for us, that you have a word for us today. And so, Lord, we ask, Father, that your word would find its place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Yeah, go ahead. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Amen. It's good to see you guys this morning. Um, we have been in a series called Unlikely Heroes, and uh, we're going to continue in that today. Um, we have we talked last week about dynamic duos, uh, dynamic duos. And if you think about a dynamic duo, really it, it can be kind of like, you know, you got one of the dynamic duo really that kind of rises above the other, right? You kind of have in that that somebody plays kind of second fiddle, right? So if I if I said, you know, Batman and Robin, right? Batman kind of gets the more acclaim, right? I don't see many people wearing Robin shirts, right? You know, uh, there he didn't get a Robin mobile or a, a Robin cave or anything like that. You know, you get the Batmobile, right? Everybody wants the Batmobile. You know, you want to hang out with Batman. You wear the Batman T-shirts, that kind of stuff. So, so Robin, you kind of feel bad for him a little bit. He's kind of like he's kind of like second second place and second fiddle. And uh, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, and because that's kind of what we're going to talk about today is uh, people who really know how to uh, bloom and grow in that position. Um, we talked a little bit about it last week with Deborah and Barack. Uh, Deborah and Barack. Barack was the general, and um, he basically said, hey, Deborah, you're, um, you're God's judge over Israel. I want you to go with me in the battle. And she said, you know what, if, if I go, you're not going to get the glory. And it was almost like, he's like, I'm not letting my pride hold me back. Uh, I, I, I want you to go. I don't care who gets the glory. Uh, we need to win this battle. And so that same kind of mindset is what we're going to see today in uh, the place where we're going. And we're going to go to the book of Acts. If you got your Bible, let's go to Acts chapter 4 is uh, where we're going to start. Now, before we get there, um, there's a lady I need to, need to ask you uh, if you know. Her name is Henrietta Mean. Uh, I'm sorry, Henrietta Mears. Anybody, have you ever heard of Henrietta Mears? One person, because they were here at the early service, right? All uh, right, so uh, thanks, Brooks. Uh, but before then, I don't think you knew. I don't know that anybody in here uh, would really have uh, uh, any kind of reason to know who she is. Um, she is one of those people that has a lot of grit. Uh, our girls lacrosse team for uh, the high school, kind of their moniker is grit and grace, right? And uh, so when you start hearing stories about some of these ladies, 
uh, coming through like last week we talked about Deborah and she might have had grace but she had a lot of grit to her right and she was fiery uh, actually her name meant woman of torches woman on fire right we talked about that last week well this lady is uh, somewhat fiery too this lady has a lot of grit about her as well Henrietta uh, when she was in kindergarten uh, this is what she said about kindergarten she says kindergarten is to amuse little children I'm amused enough I want to be educated. And I thought, oh, man, wow. What, you know, I started looking. I said, what kind of student was she, right? She was one of those students like, oh, if you're a teacher, you see them coming. It's like, ah, oh, you got your hands full. You know, but, but that's okay. That's all right. You have people like Henrietta that come through, and they, got, they have a lot of spunk. They have a lot of fire, and she did. Um, she decided at five years old that she wanted to follow Jesus and that she wanted to be baptized. Her mother was very hesitant about getting, letting her be baptized because she said she's five years old. You know, uh, how, how much of a handle can she really have on this idea of, of Jesus and salvation and becoming part of the church? Uh, her pastor felt the same way. You know, they were hesitant. Uh, but uh, Henrietta, she just would not be stopped. She says, listen, I've made a, I've made a decision for Jesus, and I want to be baptized, you know. And, and so we're actually going to do that this morning. We're going to baptize at the end of service. Um, and, I, and, and so she was one of these, these young kids who just said, hey, I want to be baptized. So they let her. They baptized her at the age of five years old. By the age of 11, she was teaching Sunday school. Um, now, that's, I, I got people in here that's, that's 44, 55 years old, and you wouldn't teach Sunday school. You were like, uh-uh, don't have me get up. I'm not teaching anything, right? Uh, I'll turn a video on, but that's about it. Um, you know, she was teaching Sunday school by age 11. Um, she had one of these, this was a, a saying that she had. One thing that she was fond of saying was this, uh, will you stop looking at your problems and wringing your hands in despair? Faith and despair cannot remain in the same heart. Take your, tru or take, take your choice, trust God, or worry. You can't really do both. And I'm thinking, man, that's, that's good, right? She was the kind of person that she says, I'm going to trust God. Um, and that continued on in her life. She became a young woman, was getting into college age years, and uh, actually had an accident uh, that almost took her sight and uh, so she began to have a lot of uh, vision difficulties, and it carried on through her college studies. And so she was a student at the University of Minnesota. And what she would do is that she would begin to listen to the lectures, and that immediately once the lecture was over, she would go back and rehearse that lecture so she could get, uh, get that into her mind, get that kind of into her, her spirit. And so uh, she just really kind of had to find a way to be a learner even through the disabilities that she had. She went on uh, to become this person who started Sunday schools. Uh, this, this preacher came through her, church, or her town one day and met her and found this great ministry that she had done. And he said, listen, I'd want to bring you to my church out in Hollywood, California, and I want you to start Sunday schools for me. And um, she did this. Now, this was back in the early 40s, 50s. Um, and she said, why would I want to go to California, right? Some of you guys are thinking the same thing. Why would I want to go to California? And she went to California and created these large Sunday schools and uh, started these camps uh, to influence uh, children and young adults uh, in, in just God's Word. 
And you say, well, that's great. That's awesome. Why are you telling me about her? Because one of the people that she influenced was a young man who was really having a difficulty trying to figure out whether he wanted to take the Bible seriously, whether he should take the Bible seriously, whether he should take the Bible and uh, just believe what it says and trust what it says. And at that camp that she had started, she got a chance to influence him. And he decided that he was going to trust the Bible and take the Bible at its word. And he was going to believe the Bible for what it was. And that man, as you probably don't know Henrietta Mears, but I, I guarantee you've heard the name Billy Graham before. And Billy Graham, Billy Graham was one of her protégés that as he came through, he was just a young man, he came through that camp. And she had a chance to pour into him. And, and you say, man, I don't, I don't know anything about this Henrietta lady, but I sure enough have heard of Billy Graham. And see, those are the kind of people that we need in our life. And that's where we're going this morning with this message, this story that we're going to look at is in Acts chapter 4. And so I want you to take your Bible. Let's go to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, we're going to be introduced to a, to a man. Uh, let's just go ahead and read it down in verse 32. And it says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. You've got to understand that the church was, uh, was new. It was a, a, a brand new thing. Jesus has been crucified. He's been resurrected. He has ascended into heaven. And he told them, he says, listen, you need to stay in Jerusalem, and the Holy Spirit will be poured upon you. And so the Holy Spirit has been poured out on this young uh, burgeoning church that's, that's starting up. And uh, they're having just this, uh, this great time of people coming together. And that's what we see here. It says in verse 32, now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to them was his own. Uh, but they had everything in common. Now, this isn't socialism because socialism is forced upon you. This is generosity because they said, you know, listen, I want you to have what I have. I want you to take what I have. If I have it, you have it. There are some people who are just like that. If, you, if they have something, you have it because they want to share with God's people. They want to share with those around them. And that's what you see here. They had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. And there was not a needy person among them for as many that were owners of lands and houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and it was laid at the apostles feet and it was distributed to each as had a need thus Joseph who was also called by the apostles uh, Joseph who was also called by the apostles Barnabas now here we go we're introduced to uh, this guy here which means son of encouragement he was a Levite, a native of Cyprus. So he sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So we get introduced to this guy. This guy, who is, his name is Joseph, a very, very good Jewish name, Joseph. But uh, they had a nickname for him, really, and they called him Barnabas. Uh, and you see that happen in, in, in the Bible. You see that happen with James and John. Uh, Jesus gave them a nickname. He called them, anybody remember? The Sons of Thunder, right? Man, that just sounds like it needs to be emblazoned on a leather jacket. The Sons of Thunder, right? And so James and John, Jesus called them the Sons of Thunder. You know, you had um, Simon, uh, actually his name was Simon, and uh, Jesus called him Peter. He called him, hey man, you're just a rock, right? You're, you're a rock, and not in a dumb way, right? He's like, you're a rock in a very solid way. And uh, so they had this way of 
declaring about people or putting a name on them or saying something about them that said more just about their name and more about about their character and that's what we find here with Barnabas that he was a person who what he had he was willing to sell and give away what he had he looked at he says I don't have it for my consumption Uh, somebody said it this way before sometimes we think that everything that comes to us is uh, we presume our our presumption is it's for our consumption Uh, and we shouldn't do that we shouldn't always presume that everything that God sends to us He means for us to spend on us. Sometimes what comes to us is meant for someone else. And so he's wondering if he can get it through us. And we see that here with Barnabas. He said, listen, I have this. This is something that God has allowed me to have. And you know what? I have it, and I want to sell it, and I want to give it away so it blesses someone else. And so we, we see that he did this. He, he took what he had, and um, he was just this person who began to develop um, it not really a, it wasn't like they had his name on the marquee. He wasn't like Batman. Nobody was wearing the Barnabas t-shirt, you know. Nobody, nobody had the, the Barnabas action figure, you know, in their toy collection or anything like that. He was just the dude who was there to help out. He was just the guy who said, hey, you need somebody to fill in, I, I'm there. Uh, you need somebody to, to sweep the floor, hey, I'm there. You need somebody to plunge that toilet, hey, I'm there. And some of y'all just checked out on me right there, right? It's like, Pastor, I was with you right up to the plunge in the toilet thing. You know, let somebody else do that. And, and, and he's just that guy. He was that guy who was willing to step in and be of help, be of assistance wherever you see him. So when you look at Barnabas, you know this. You know this about Barnabas. And this is what he was saying with his life. He was saying that character is built when no one is watching. That's what he's saying. He's like, listen, I, nobody knows me. It's, it's, not like, it's not like I'm out here, got my name on the, on the sign. I don't have anything, anybody waving banners for me or anything like that. Nobody's got my face on a T-shirt. And so, you know, I'm just a guy that's doing a job. I'm, 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 I'm here. I want to be what God has called me to be. And if that means just filling in the gaps, that's what I'm going to fill in the gaps. And, and we see that his character was built when nobody was watching. And that's, that's the thing about leadership. If you're a leader, if God has given you influence, if God has given you the chance to, um, you know, uh, influence other people, what do you do with that? See, leadership isn't built on a platform. It's built when you know how to create a platform for others. That's when leadership, when, when you're helping someone else do what God has called them to do. What you're really doing is you're learning leadership yourself. What you're really doing is you're learning, you know what, that you are a person that can be followed because you know how to follow. You are a person that, uh, yeah, I can be trusted to be followed because I know how to follow those uh, who, have been in, who have been ahead of me. And so what we see Barnabas doing, Barnabas is one of those guys who is willing to build a platform for other people, who is willing to let other people's gifts and talents shine. And he's willing to say, hey, listen, I'll just step into the background. It's all right. I will get you there. I will help you get there. I don't have to be on that stage. I just need to know that I did what God called me to do. I just need to know that I did what God set in my heart to do. See, uh, basically, he's, he's saying, I am not here for me, but I didn't get here all by myself either. Right? There were other people that came before him. There were other people that got you here today. Some of you guys wouldn't be here if it wasn't for someone else. 
And I'm not just talking about your ride to church today. Maybe so, okay? Maybe you say, yeah, I'm glad I had a ride to church. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Dad, you know, right? Some of you wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for someone continuing to encourage you and pray for you and say, don't give up, don't quit, don't stop. And because they were willing to stand with you and cheer you on. See, what you're going to find is this, and this is the kind of leader that Barnabas was. Barnabas is a leader who wasn't intimidated, intimidated by other people's gifts or abilities. And what he did was he built a platform for them to let their abilities and gifting stand out. And what he was was this. He just exhibited humility. Not only did he have character about his life, but he exhibited humility. See, humility means being willing to use your gifts when no one's watching. That's, that's humbling yourself and saying, I'm going to do this. Nobody's watching. You know, nobody's watching. And that's what I've heard somebody say it. It says, who you really are is what you are when nobody's watching you. What does that look like? What does that look like for you when nobody is watching you? Are you the same person? And so humility means being willing to use your gifts when no one is watching you. Now we're going to go to the second part of Acts here, this, this second act, if, you'll, if you can say it that way, Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, if you'll go with me, Acts chapter 9, and verse 26, um, I think my pages are stuck together, Acts 9, 26, and this is what we find, the, the next part of the story of, of Barnabas, Verse 26, and it says, And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. Who is this when he had come to Jerusalem and he attempted to join the disciples? It's not talking about Barnabas here. He's talking about Paul. Now, you, you, you may not have heard Barnabas, but hopefully most of us have heard about Paul, right? The Apostle Paul, right? And you may not know anything about him, just that, okay, yep, he, he wrote like half the New Testament. Okay, yeah, that's, that's it. I, that's, that may be the, the extent of it, but you may know that much. And, you know, he was a pretty big deal. But before he was a big deal, he was actually, people were scared of him because uh, he breathed out murderous threats, is what the Bible says. He breathed out murderous threats. He was trying to kill Christians, and he would throw them into prison. And that was the guy that he was before he, he had this experience with Jesus, and, and Jesus literally turned his life around. That this was who, and they called him Saul, and now he's called Paul here. But this story of Paul, he, he has this experience with Jesus. He begins to preach the gospel of Jesus. He begins to preach this good news of Jesus. But this is what the story, this is where we hit the story. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. They were all afraid of him, and for good reason. They had good reason to be afraid of him. It's like, dude, I don't believe you. You know, have you ever had people who they just, you had, had, they had, a, you had a hard time believing anything they said? They have no credibility with you. Maybe they've let you down before. Maybe they've lied to you before. You know, I, I, I told somebody, I said, you got to take them with a grain of salt. Some people, they're, they're such big liars, you got to take them with a bag of salt. I mean, it's just, that's just how bad it is. They are people who you can't trust, and they have no credibility. And so when you look at this story, Paul is trying to, or he's trying to come in, he's trying to join the disciples. He's trying to be with them and say, hey, God has called me. God has given me this gift, this, pla this, uh, this opportunity. I I'd say it like that. Verse 27, it goes on, it says, but Barnabas took him and brought him. I love that. It seems so simple, it's, but it's not. 
It's not simple because it had a lot of investment. Before you get to that sentence, Barnabas took him and brought him. Barnabas had to have credibility with the other disciples. Barnabas had to have built his life and invested his life and have character and integrity about his life that when he said something that people looked at him and said, I believe Barnabas. I may not believe Paul, but I absolutely believe Barnabas. If Barnabas told me that the sun is cold, I would believe him. That's just how straight up Barnabas is. He is that kind of guy. I believe Barnabas. And so Barnabas is, is here, and he says Barnabas, it says Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them on how on the road uh, he had seen the Lord and he had spoke to him. And at Damascus, he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. And so he went in and out among, among them in Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenist, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. And so the church throughout Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And the only reason that he was able to do that is because Barnabas took him and brought him. Paul was spending the credibility of Barnabas. Paul was able to spend and use the credi credibility that Barnabas had built up over years and over relationships and just having honesty and integrity and humility. And that's what one thing we have to understand is credibility is gained when your character is maintained. Credibility is gained when your character is maintained. When you maintain your integrity and you maintain who you are and you actually tell the truth and when you say something, it, it, it's true because, you know what, maybe, maybe it's going to be difficult for me to do this, but, but doggone it, I'm, I'm going to do this because I said that I was going to do it. I'm going to show up because I said I was going to show up. I'm not going to back down because I told them that I was going to be with them. This is the kind of person that Barnabas was, and he built this credibility. And so the credibility that he gained, uh, it was maintained by his character. And so we go on. Uh, Paul uh, is not able to do any of this stuff. He's not able to be brought into this group of disciples unless Barnabas brings him in. Chapter 15 of Acts. And I'm going to wrap this up real quick. Chapter 15. We go to chapter 15, and we see that this is kind of an awkward, and it, it may be one of those, those passages of Scripture that, that you just don't like. You're just like, man, everybody who's a Christian, we're supposed to get, get together and not disagree, right? <laughs> Y'all are looking at it. It's like, is this a trick question? Do we ever have disagreements as Christians? Okay, there we go. All right, there we go. We're human, right? None of you guys are perfect, okay? Um, and so we see right here that this is a great example of a disagreement that they had in the early church. Um, what does it look like? And so, after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city that we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. That's a good thing. Paul's saying, hey, man, we got to go back through those churches where we encouraged people and started things, started churches. We need to go back through and encourage them. And Barnabas was like, that is a great idea. Yeah, let's go do this. And let us return and visit all the brothers in the cities everywhere we proclaim the word of the Lord. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them a young man by the name of John called Mark. But Paul thought it best not to take, uh, not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia. And had not gone with them to the work. What do you have going on here? You have a young man by the name of John Mark 
and he had a failure in his life. He had a point where he messed up. He had a point where he got scared. Maybe he got homesick. He's a young man, and he's out on this journey with these guys. And at Pamphylia, he just said, I, I can't do this. I, I'm so sorry. I, I've, I've got to back out. And so Paul sees this, and Paul's like, mm -mm, he ain't going with us. I'm not taking him with us. But see, I'm so glad that you've got people like Barnabas. There's Barnabases in the world who are willing to look past our failures, who are willing to say, you know what, yeah, I know, they messed up, but let's not push them out just yet. Let's not get rid of them. Let's not kick them to the curb. Let's bring them in, and let's bring them under our wing. That's what Barnabas, Barnabas did, and that's what we see happen here. And there arose such a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. What happened here? It happened is that Paul and Silas went off and did this great work. What you see is Barnabas went off and did a very silent, behind-the-scenes work. He took this young man, John Mark, and brought him under his wing and said, you know what, I know you've messed up, but this is not the end of the road for you. John Mark, look, I, I could see him just say, John Mark, look at me. Stop being down on yourself. God has created you for more. It's just like what I told you, uh, youth, over the last few weeks. God has created you for more. And maybe Barnabas was the first youth pastor in the Bible. I don't know, but I think this is a good example of him taking a young man under his wing and saying, don't stop, don't give up. God has equipped you. God has called you. There's potential in you, and he's calling that out. And so he allows Paul and Silas to go off on the tour. They're commended by their brothers, and you just kind of see Barnabas. He kind of it gets quiet with Barnabas. And Barnabas in his story goes in, and he, he takes John Mark and I love this, and later on in Paul's letters, you'll see the Apostle Paul, he writes this in one of his letters, and he says, listen, he says, send John Mark to me because he is useful to me in the ministry. And the only way he can write that sentence, the only way he can make that request is that there was a Barnabas to take John Mark under his wing, just like he took Paul under his wing and says, hey, don't give up, don't stop. I'm encouraging you. I'm going I'm to cheer you on. See, this is what you find is influence grows from the seedbed of character and credibility. Influence grows from the seedbed of character and credibility. When you have character and when you have credibility, you can influence people around you. You can influence the next generation. And we all need that. We need people who are influencing us and cheering us on and saying, don't stop. Don't quit. Don't stop in the face of, of challenge or don't stop in the face of crisis, you can do this. And so Barnabas became that hero for John Mark and actually became a hero for Paul too. I'm going to ask somebody to come play. I want you to show you a picture. This is uh, a lady that's really important in my life. Um, this is my grandmother. Her name was Mezzo Davis. Uh, she passed away in 2004. Um, and that is not Cannon sitting on her lap. That is me sitting on her lap. Somebody said, that looked like Cannon. I was like, that's not Cannon. That's me. Uh, but, but, but this is my grandmother. And so the reason I show you this picture today is because my grandmother was one of those people that cheered me on. My grandmother was one of those people that prayed for me. And, and sometimes I didn't know it. Sometimes I didn't realize the power of her prayers. While I was in college, 
I left uh, Valdosta State University, and it was a, uh, <laughs> I went to a Christian college, not because, you know, I just felt Jesus leading me there. I was actually trying to get out of a bunch of mess and junk that I'd gotten into at the state school. And so I went to this Christian university, and we had chapel services on Tuesday and Thursday morning. And I didn't really know this till later on, but every Tuesday and Thursday morning at 1030 when we were in chapel services, me and I had two other cousins that were with me at that school, my grandmother was praying for us. And she prayed for us during those chapel services. And I look back on it, and I think the chapel services became such an inspiration point in my life. It became such a point in my life where God challenged me, and God used those moments and those times for me to just, just grow and mature. And I didn't realize that my grandmother was praying for me at those times. I didn't realize that she was just getting on her face and just seeking God for her grandkids that were at this college in this chapel service at that moment. Something else I didn't realize about my grandmother was that early on, my grandmother had seven children, and she lost her husband uh, early on in, in their marriage after, after they had um, my aunt, my Aunt Charlotte, and, and he died in an automobile accident. And she always had this, felt like she had this call to go to the mission field, and she couldn't go to the mission field because she had just lost her husband, and now she's got seven kids. She's trying to figure out how to raise by herself. And I remember my grandmother, that what she would do, instead of just saying, oh, well, I, I, I wish I could have gone, but I didn't go. What I remember my grandmother doing, I didn't know this at the time, is that we would have missionaries come to her house all the time. And I just thought they were coming to just eat my grandmother's cooking. I, I, didn't re I didn't get the reason why they were there, but my grandmother was intentionally inviting them there so she could bless them. The little money that she had, she worked at a textile factory, and the little money that she had, she would give the missionaries because she knew she had a calling on her life that she wasn't able to fulfill in one way, but she said, if I can't go, I'm going to send somebody else. If I, if, I can't, if I can't be on the platform myself, I'm going to build somebody else's platform because I will not be stopped. The mission of Jesus Christ will not be stopped. We will make sure that somebody goes. We will make sure somebody's encouraged. We will make sure that the, that the gates of hell are going to be stormed by somebody somewhere. The church will not be stopped. And so my grandmother, I'm just looking back at her and her life and just all the difficulties that she had. I never saw her complain about any of that. All I saw was her grace. All I saw was her humility. All I saw was her encouragement. All I saw was her just cheering us on. And out of her family, I, we went, I have to go back and have to count it, but we had, I think there was like eight to nine pastors and youth pastors that came out of our family. And so maybe what my grandmother wasn't able to go and do on her own, she just decided, I'm going to bless those who can go do it. I'm going to be the Barnabas. I'm going to be somebody's Barnabas. And so that's my question to you today. Who's your Barnabas? Some of you guys wouldn't be here today if you didn't have a Barnabas. You had a Barnabas who stepped in and they cheered you on, and maybe they actually paid your bail. They bailed you out of jail. Maybe somebody, you're in here today and you, you're out because there was a Barnabas who stepped in. Maybe they paid your rent. Maybe they've given you groceries. Maybe they helped you through the difficult time. You have a Barnabas and you're here today because of a Barnabas. But you're not just here today because of a Barnabas. You're here today because you need to be somebody's Barnabas. And that's the next step. 
You've made steps all the way to this point because you've had a Barnabas. Now God's saying, be somebody else's Barnabas. Who is that? I can't tell you who that is, but my prayer is that as you just say, God, I'm asking that question. Who do I need to be their Barnabas? Whose Barnabas am I? So I can, and I had a lady come up in, in another service, and, and she, she said, she said, she said, thank you. She said, this morning I realized God showed me whose Barnabas I was. And she said, now I'm going to be way more intentional. I've been standing in that gap for this person. She's like, but I'm going to be way more intentional now because I know I'm helping them just build that platform for them. Who's that for you? Heads bowed. Father, we just come. We need you. God, so many of us, our stories are laden with challenges and difficulties, and, and it's a wonder, it's a miracle that, that some of us are here at all. But God, we had somebody who was going to be a Barnabas who ste stepped in there for us. Grandmothers and grandfathers and moms and dads, aunts and uncles, brothers, sisters, co-workers. God, there are people in our life that we can think of that have encouraged us. And they've, they've paid for things for us. They've sent us on our way. God, I'm thankful. God, I'm thankful for those. I'm thankful for those people because we are here today because of them. But, Lord, you're calling us to be somebody else's Barnabas. You're calling us to be someone else's encourager. So who is that? Who is that? And so, Lord, I'm praying that, God, you would give us clarity. You would give us clarity this morning. You would help us see who you've set us in their life to influence them, who you've set us in their life to cheer them on. When they're tempted to stop, Lord, I pray, God, that you would just let us have the words to inspire them to keep going. Lord, that they would be inspired to know your love, to be inspired to know that you care because they're encouraging us and they're cheering us on. So, Lord, help us be that person. Help us to be somebody's Barnabas today. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to New Life Church in Richmond Hill, Georgia. For more information regarding New Life, please visit our website at newliferh.com.